Welcome to the Sega Saturn Shiro Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to the Sega Saturn and playing Neo Geo on the Saturn, because God knows that system is expensive as hell. Today I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Dave. What's up? And Kay. A two-letter word indicating the direction opposite of the center of the Earth. Nice. Anyways, today on the podcast we're going to talk about playing Neo Geo on the Saturn, because we want you to enjoy the Neo Geo like it needs to be cheap and fun so uh i guess we'll start off uh what you guys been up to david so i've been playing a little bit of shining the holy ark on and off and trying to also get back into my shining force 3 game as far as saturn stuff goes um with what little time i have but mostly just been working on podcast stuff you know getting this thing up on uh, social media. You've been doing a good doing... job at it, I have to admit. Like, yeah, very much. Like, holy shit, I, I looked on and was like, oh, we have an iTunes. Oh, we have a Facebook. Oh, we have a YouTube. It's like, oh my gosh, look at you just on the ball with this thing. I'm a shadow ninja. <laughs> I really wish I had the time to do that, but I have to lead like five different people in a group, work, and then go to oh, school. Yeah. So it's like. It's cool. I get it. You got the statistics going on. Literally. No, I... Uh, and I work at an art school, so I have time. I can roll it all into uh, the whole art thing. This is <laughs> and art. Then, uh, this is art. And, uh, you know, doing some freelance design as well. Um, my friend Mel, who does the Sega Lord X YouTube channel. Oh, wait. Made... I was literally just watching that this afternoon. Oh, well, then you've seen my logo. You did the that Sega Lord X channel. Yeah. I literally and was that... watching that for the new Geo stuff. Oh, yeah. He has some good coverage of that stuff, and he's a really good guy. How ironic. Um, pretty much it. That's pretty much all I'm up to. All right. What about uh, what about UK? What have you been up to? Playing nothing. I- I've played chess with my kid, um, and she she won, but, you know. Um, and still beat her at Street Fighter, right? Maybe. You know, she, she button mashes, though. But she's oh, four, dang. so... Um, Doing, uh, trying to catch up on back orders, and uh, finally got some shelving in my garage and took some pictures and video of that and shared that with some peeps. What's the uh, back orders of? Oh, um, so I have a uh, uh, reproduction and sales uh, group, and uh, pretty much since almost uh, April or May, I've had some uh, problems making some orders due to uh technical issues uh but i finally got all of those resolved and uh i'm just doing some saturn reproductions and stuff that's cool what are you uh what are you mostly making nowadays is there like a theme Um, there a common like a trend the the biggest ones um i put together a shmups uh collection like uh five different shmups uh for the saturn uh put it into a case did custom art for the whole thing and that's been the new, you know, uh, popular item. So I'm doing a lot of those, and I also do. It looks uh, great, but I might add. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Uh, looks, that thing looks awesome. Uh, that one, that one, and the uh, the police knots one, I like. And that's that's like a volume one you have planned, right? You have other volumes planned. Yeah, it kind of uh, been uh, evolving to um, just like a, a series of. Any game that's uh, $100, $150 or more, 
on the Saturn. I'm going to try and see if I can't do a reproduction of, but, you know, customized artwork. And if there's any modifications or bonuses that, you know, I can add into it, I want to you know, make something really nice because who really wants to spend like $500 for Panzer Dragoon Saga or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Psychic Assassin Taramaru? I know some people. Yeah, apparently they they exist. <laughs> Truth be told, I own both of those games, so it's yeah, they definitely do exist, but nobody wants to pay the money, right? Nope. Yeah. If they if they could get the original game for much cheaper, I'm sure everybody would not have a problem holding onto their pocketbook. Okay, are you are you the guy with like two copies of? He's Psychic got like Assassin? five of them. I, I, he's, like, he's, no. like, he's like a fucking uh, okay, blockbuster. It's like, uh, let's see which one should we play today. Oh, let's play the one in the back. You start your own <laughs> rental service. actually you know i am kind of set up for it now and the shelves i got were actually from an old video rental store yeah those shelves are pretty awesome if for the video thing i'll see if i can put that in there but those are actually really nice better get yourself a professional resurfacer that's you know it is actually on my list of gets when i'm no longer you know neck deep in debt sure and just insult the customer as well not surprised right Uh, you know what's really funny these particular shelves actually did come out of the adult section of that uh, that old video store. My buddy who helped me move them actually found a DVD case that had gotten stuck behind it, and it was total prawn. I, well, I mean, I'm not gonna not gonna say you should do your shelving, but there's plenty of hentai games on the Saturn. <laughs> so, I, little known fact: if you watch that video that I um, threw up on the uh, SOA group or SCOA. Um, the middle shelf was actually all red and yellow label games. I, I actually uh, have about two shelves worth of it. It's kind of one of my collection things. What's red and yellow mean? Is that from Pride and Joy? Well, red is like extreme smut, right? And then yellow is like caution. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> is that a in- Japanese thing? Yeah, yeah. it is. Uh, in Japan, Mortal Kombat 2 actually got a red label. Um, right. But it, it's kind of like a it's sort of like Japan's version of ESRB. Um, yellow label will be more risque, but not be, um, super gory or violent, not not super gory, not super violent and not super overtly sexual. I mean, there might be some nudity, but that's a little bit more allowed in Japanese culture. Sure. Um, whereas red label, it will have depictions of, you know, sexual activity within it, um, or human nudity. Cause I actually have both of the playboy collection, uh, Saturn games as well. What about that game? What about the game Cho Aniki? Is that the one I'm thinking of with the a lot of dicks in it? I, no? I believe it, it might be. What what kind of label does that game have? You know, I don't actually think I own that one, so I couldn't tell you off the bat. It's something I could look up, but but it's a shooter. It's like a shoot 'em up. <laughs> what? Like, yeah, no, it's a horizontal shooter, and uh, it's just got like a bunch of Japanese yeah. men in the buff. There's yeah, a... they're. There's a joke. I, there's a joke I can make, but I think that's way above my standards. We, we've we've dug pretty low already. Um, now that I look at this one, it is a yellow label game. Done. Um, I, I did go ahead and take the moment to look it up, but we are so off track. Yeah, we are. <laughs> can you send me a picture of that so I can put that in the video thing? Yeah, sure can. Or just and like just... send me the name of it or something. I'll just toss the link in the chat. Ooh. But um. 
Yeah, so got the shelves up, and right now I've got about 28 days before the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. So that's kind of like the next big thing. I've got some Saturn stuff I want to do, and i got to finish these back orders and then start making stock for PRGE. Um, I'm going to be hopefully selling uh, Saturn with a Rhea in it. And, uh, Ooh, that sounds yeah. interesting. How much are you asking for that one? I'm not sure just yet. It depends on how big of a, a card I can get, but all the images will be like made off of my original discs. So they're not going to hmm. be like images you know you can find on the internet. So it's going to be fully loaded. That's kind of the idea. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. Nice. How many of those are you going to have? Just the one. Normally the uh, PRGE, they have a... Uh, on uh, Saturday night, they do an auction. And you'll find some kind of oddball stuff, some rarities, some really cool items. Um, was uh, two years ago, uh, someone had come up to the show and put a, a cart dev system from uh, European territories for Saturn uh, for sale there. Ooh. And... Three years ago, I actually sold a modified Saturn um, with original disc only, mostly copies of Mega Man uh, 8, Mega Man X3 from Europe, uh, Mega Man X4, and then Rockman X3, X4, Rockman 8, and then Rock like Super Adventure Rockman all together as a bundle. Sounds pricey. Yeah. Yeah, whoever won that got it for like 350 bucks. <laughs> That's a good deal wow. for that. Yeah, I. But you know, I, I love this show, and uh, yeah, so that's what I've got going on. So they, I heard they're cracking down on the repro stuff. Did they give you any specific instructions for your stuff? Well, everything that I um, put out, I make sure it has uh, my you know group's name on it, um, so that's an immediate tell that okay, this is not an original disc because you're not going to see that name anywhere. Um, and then they want the this year they want it labeled clearly that it's a reproduction. So there'll be a, a bar on the cover art and on the disc art showing that you know it's a reproduction for anything that we sell actually on site. I gotcha. I just interested how it worked. I remember my friend was telling me about that, and I was just curious exactly how they're going to set it up this year. The the main reason why they're trying to do it this way is that um, it, it's supposed to be for systems that you don't need. Um, a device to play backups on. So we're like Sega CD um, and like, I guess, 3DO would probably fall under that line. Mm. Um, major reason being that they don't want people to just make, you know, a, a quick copy of Snatcher and, you know, try and sell it because you don't be need surprised. anything to play, you know, backups on a Sega CD. Yeah. That's always right. the scum people that ruin it for everyone else, right? Yeah. And I mean, the technology is available now, you know, that a really good quality, really good looking uh, reproduction can be made. But if you have any um, familiarity with uh, the actual like physical discs for any of these systems, um, you can tell pretty quickly when someone is using the original artwork, uh, I would say, you know, nine and a half times out of 10, they're using a scanned uh, like someone put the disc on a scanner, took that mm. image, and then slapped it onto a disc. And they don't and, bother erasing the uh, the sheen. Exactly. <laughs> That's hilarious. Bother. I love that. Yeah, they, I mean, they don't. It's like they don't know Photoshop. They're just dumb. They don't take the time. You know what's really funny is is all three of us have some experience in reproductions, or at least some. You know, that that's kind of how 
Patrick and I met is that Patrick came to me wanting to do a reproduction of the Police Knots game. The the so English, the U.S. version. Right. Like the hypothetical U.S. release. Right. So yeah. it's just funny. And then you're deep into reproductions and you do some really good ones. So it's just funny that all three of us are into that. I really wish we could finish that up, David, but I think we're just so busy. Um, what do you guys have on it? I gave you the template. I thought you... Oh, you mean the manual, like all the content. Because we wanted to do the manual. We wanted to do the mm. discs for it. I'm waiting. I'm I'm. I'm going to get more time coming up. It's just I hit... I have autopilot parts of the year and then other parts of the year where I'm just swamped. So I, I don't yeah, blame but, you, man. I'm but curious I was to see getting, what you guys' disc look like. Oh, we, You guys have seen mine, right? No, I don't. I wouldn't even try to do anything like you're doing. I haven't actually done the disc portion. I've only done uh, the manual. And that was my job. Uh, basically, what I was going to do is, uh, if you have the Saturn art book, there's a picture of the different mech suits and the plants in the background. Mm-hmm. I want to do that for each one. So the one with Mars, the one with Venus, I think there's one with Earth, and have each of those suits. Okay, yeah, it was, cool. It was a rad idea. I thought it was pretty cool. They're all, the only thing was I have to scan all of them because all the art is low res. Like even that yes. one image, like the image that was hypothetical, I had to go into an art book and scan because they didn't have any of that online. Exactly. But, but And I needed that. Like I couldn't find that anywhere online. And Patrick was able to dig that up. So it actually turned out really good. Yeah. I and did, I, need to, I need to do another one of those and send it to you. And I had planned on doing that. It's just I had dude. I would I would love that because I don't have a printer or anything to make all that shit. I think uh, you know, probably into October, end of October, I'm gonna come into some free time. So we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we will. It'll get it'll get solved. Moving right along. <laughs> yeah. Why don't I talk about what I did? Talk about more yeah. illegal activities. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fucked up. Yeah, what What have you been up to, Patrick? Um, well, game-wise, I've been playing uh, Game Paradise on the Sega Saturn. Uh, I really love the game. game. If you guys don't know it, it's like a cute-em-up where you're like in this arcade. I, I really don't know much of the story because it's all in Japanese, and it's just animu people all over the place. Like, it's I mean, all those Astro City yeah. candy cabs. I think one of my favorite bosses of all time is just the cat lady, the cat girl. Oh, yeah. And like the like the cutoff dress, it was really weird. Like the, I think that really was like okay, I'm getting this game, but I really want to get good at it because I'm like garbage at it and I die instantly. I beat it, but I was like on free play mode. But I just want to be like one cc it. But that game is hard. If yeah. you guys ever played it, that's pretty much like me on any shooter. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I love them, but I'm not that good at them. Yeah, same. I'm horrid at them. I love them. I, I want to get good at them. That and fighting games. Those are my, my, my weak points of any games. I was playing Rekka the other day. Have you played that? Summer Carnival? I never heard of that one. Oh, man. It's like a tech demo for the NES. I know this isn't an NES podcast, but it's another. It's a shooter that is just blows your mind, like what they were able to do on the NES. Blows but your that mind. Game, but, but that game is so hard as nails, man. I just I can't last very long. Yeah, that does sound interesting. I really want to check that out. Let me link to that. I will. Please, thanks. It'll go in our show. It'll go in our show notes too. That's cool. Oh, so which version of uh, Game Paradise did you end up getting? Like, do you have it on an original, or were you playing a copy? Uh, original. I uh, I got it when it was really cheap. I 
I think I got it for like 32 or something. It's not bad. Yeah, it was before like uh, I think a couple internet guys got a hold of it and people wanted to buy it, but uh, my weirdo friend Justin came over with it and was like, hey, you want to check out this weird shooting game? I was like, hell yeah. So I went and uh, I went and played it, and it was a pretty good game. It came out in two formats. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the um, one package is just the plain disc, you know, mm-hmm. like your standard packaging. But the other, um, kind of a limited edition, actually had a uh, VHS with it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I know that that I, was a... I ended up getting both of them about two or three years ago. Of course you did. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? WTF? What the, what's that supposed to mean? You're the revision man. You, you, yeah, you got all the revisions. I, I didn't know ah. about that for a while. I uh, it just it means I'm jealous. It was a lot cheaper to get the disc and stuff though. I'd sure. like to get the VHS, but I mean, yeah, that would be rad. I just wanted to play the game. To be honest with you, that's a lot of the stuff. You know, I, I might just um, little known fact, right? If you go to your local Goodwill or you know electronics recycler or whatever, and you find a, a combination VCR DVD player that um, has HDMI on it, you can actually watch VHS on HDMI. I so, think, yeah, I think it outputs S video is the highest it has. No, it can output on. HDMI. Oh no, no! I'm saying the quality, like the, the it says the the equivalent oh, like S video. So I think, yeah, I think VHS it was like went from component to S video, uh, format. It's a it's a whole format thing. Well, so there are some VHS players that will play in actual component, like in 480p. Uh, I think it was DVHS. I don't own one of those, but. Um, I was thinking that we could take the uh, Game Paradise uh, VHS, toss it into one of those players, because it also will copy it to DVD, and we'll just digitize it and we can throw it out for people. You know, I, would, I wouldn't I mind that. I was thinking of doing the same thing for a couple, uh, a couple of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure discs, because they have, a, mm-hmm. they have a, a portion of the discs. Did I say DVD? I meant LaserDisc, the uh, JoJo LaserDisc. Oh, nice. Uh, they have a portion of the disc where they have a Hirohiko Araki drawing characters and doing an interview type thing and he did it with a, he did like uh, I think the first disc he did uh, he did Josuke one of them he did uh, uh, Yoshikage Kira and different characters from part 4 I guess it was like fresh and new but but anyways uh, yeah we can talk about that a little bit later but um, cool. another thing I was playing was uh, King of Fighters 98 and that is because I don't know if I, I told you about these guys but I actually finished my console as a Neo Geo well, it's more of a super gun, but I guess you can call awesome. it consoleized. But I always wanted to play one. My my friend had one, has like two cabinets for that thing. Uh, I really didn't know anybody that had it, and I really wanted to play it. So, congrats! Yeah, took you kind of a while, right? Yeah, it took me a month. I had to get, I had to get the uh, the super gun from Germany. I had to get the the board. I had to find the board locally. I had to modify a power supply. Uh, mm-hmm. All in all, though, it, it was pretty affordable. It only cost me about one sixty-five after everything said and done. Just so you do like arcade forge. Uh, yeah, I got the Super Gun Mach. Nice. And it was pretty. It was only. It was about hundred euros shipped, or hundred dollars right. shipped. You got that hooked up to what kind of display? Uh, my uh, my PVM. It, it outputs only in SCART, but that's exactly what I need. So cool. it outputs to my JVC BM nineteen hundred SU. I think it's called. Mm-hmm. It's 
And that's a seven, nice. 750 line PVM. Or just pro, I used to thought a PVM. It's a broadcast television. Or professional Perfect. monitor. Whatever whatever it's called. But yeah. I got a total of one game for it. King of Fighters 98. and One uh, of the best games. Exactly. So I got plenty to play until I can get some other games. For unknown qual... Unknown prices. Cheaper than an AES. Oh, hell yeah. Uh... Definitely. I really want to right. Twinkle Star though, but it's like five hundred dollars, so Yeah, that's gonna set you back. I think I might just get a Neo SD, but I really want Twinkle Star Sprite. That game is my favorite. And the Neo SD is what, like four or five hundred bucks? It's but, about five hundred. Okay, but then you can have all those games at your fingertips, so Yeah, but it's Twinkle Star Sprite. Well maybe that can be your grail. And then you can just use the S D for everything else. Yeah, I definitely it's definitely in, in the the cards just a money thing for sure which is kind of ironic but anyways but yeah that's really what i've been up to unless you guys want me to go into uh into my schooling my capstone project and uh my statistics no yeah no. <laughs> <We're good. Crickets>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's what i expected so that's good so uh yeah do so... you want do you want to segue into talking about uh neo geo on the saturn first yeah how what a good segue thank you mr k so, uh, yeah, uh, our first topic is, uh, like we were talking about in the intro and several times, uh, the playing Neo Geo games on the Sega Saturn. And you could probably guess who decided to choose that topic. Couldn't be Patty Cakes, could it? No. Definitely not. Definitely not. But, so, take but us I, down the rabbit hole. So, anyways, uh, as we all know, the Neo Geo is expensive, for those that don't know. Games can range on the home system, the AES, for a hundred dollars to upwards to a couple thousand. I think some of them are even the tens, ten thousand dollar range, if I am not mistaken. But, yeah, you're not mistaken. But uh, I mean, even the MVS, like I was saying, there's still some rare games that are in the couple hundred dollar range. I mean, it's cheap, but it's not, you know, it's not like. Find a game, find a Game Boy game at Goodwill in the corner. It's like you're paying some good money for it, like fifty dollars on the low end, a couple hundred on the high. But I don't think any of them go over a thousand, right? Is that the same for Woodjammers? It's the only one I know. It's like that one's pretty expensive. Pricey. I don't know. That's so weird. That yeah. one and Turf Masters are so expensive. Oh man, Turf Masters, such a great game. Now I wish that was on the Saturn, but. Uh... Oh. I mean, there's a lot of ways to play Neo Geo games out there, but uh, we are a Saturn podcast. So on the Saturn, I think there's like 21 title, 21 ports of Neo Geo games, unless I, you guys want to correct me. Yeah, there's about uh, about 21, according to the Wikipedia page. Oh, I didn't even know there was a Wikipedia page. Yeah, it, it just go to Sega Saturn and just look down, or the list of Neo Geo games by platform. Or oh, okay. SNK games, and it'll have that list of 21. Cool. But anyways, uh, a lot of Neo Geo games on the Saturn, and I guess just uh, SNK games in general. Some of them are really good ports, some of them are not that great. And I thought maybe we can talk a little bit about that, so if people want to get into the Saturn and play these games, and eventually migrate to the MVS or AES if they're insane, then that would really help them out. What do you guys think? I mean, yeah, absolutely. it's a great way to get uh, to get started. 
and get addicted because uh, that's usually how it starts. You just, I mean, for most people I know, you know, they just kind of get uh, introduced to this console, and then most of these games are most of these games are just insane, like the the two D sprites. That's the thing about the Neo Geo is the sprites are just so huge, and the and the movement and the animation and the fact that they were able to like incorporate you know, full-on intros to some of these fighting games with, like, music and everything. I think, what was the what was the King of Fighters game that had, like, a full-on music video at the end? Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking Mark of the Wolves. Is, is where Mark had, of like, the Wolves, yeah. They had a full, like, music video at the end done in, like, sprites and stuff. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. So you were talking about some of the really great games and then some of the bad games. My first experience with um, most of the Neo Geo stuff was actually on the Wii Virtual Console, which did a respectable job of emulating Neo Geo at full speed. Um, And one of my favorite games on that was Waku Waku 7. Hmm. Um, And then when I found out that it was on, when, that it was on uh, the, the Saturn, you know, I was intrigued. So I burned a copy of that. And, um, but I noticed that the load times were pretty bad. Um, it had, it still had the same good gameplay, um, but I feel like the sprites were kind of like, um, I don't know if, if either of you guys are familiar with this, but it looks like the sprites are like poorly scaled or something. Like they just don't look the same as on the real hardware. Yeah. I think that might have to do with, uh, that's more of the constraints of the Saturn more than the, the Neo. Cause I know that a lot of the Saturn had some issues with some of the sprite work. I don't know if maybe that was part of it. I mean, I didn't know if it was a matter of it scaling the sprites to a non-native resolution or something. I can't really speak to that. I just know that some some of the games look perfect. Some of them are some of the ports come across excellent. Like um, I don't know, like real about Fatal Fury, it, it actually looks pretty close to the original to my eyes. But like, yeah, Waku Waku Seven is one that just like stands out to me as just not looking. I wish it was perfect, you know, because that's one of my favorite Neo Geo games. The but, gameplay uh, is there, though. It is. The gameplay is there once it once it loads up. And I mean, you know, I can't, yeah. I probably can't talk because I have a CDZ and that takes even longer to load. Yeah, I, I just think that's that's more just the limits of the hardware at the time. Some of those a lot of people are really have a hard on for, but I, I kind of give it a pass because it's like, I mean, we didn't ha- they didn't have any other powerful drives to do that back then. It's not like... Mm-hmm. It's not like they didn't have an op- they they didn't have the option to put a seven X in there or something like a eight X. It just you know, it just comes sure. down to the price of how fast they can put it in. I mean, I mean, I imagine they must have had some eight X and sixteen X back then. But are we talking about the Saturn still or the CDZ? Are we well, talking about for both of them? Drive speed. I mean, the Saturn had a pretty fast drive. It was pretty, it pretty decent, good, but there was still low times too. Yeah, there were, and I and I think that that is down to programming to be honest with you because take uh twinkle star sprites is a sunsoft developed um that's adk oh twinkle star sprites is adk yeah okay i'm getting it mixed up with something else um okay well anyway sunsoft did a couple of the i think it did neo bomberman and a couple of the uh no that was adk i stand corrected um but anyway so But just as an example, I mean, it's also got, you know, large sprites. It's It's got a vivid color palette. Um, and yet the loading on Twinkle Star sprites is 
a lot better. So. Well, that might actually come down to just the amount of the stuff that's required in there. I mean, I think the. Hmm. Well, now I'm thinking about it, there was actually a shit ton of sprites, so you might be right yeah. on that one. But I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm just... not. I, I haven't dug into the hardware of both those games and analyzed them for sure. I don't think anybody can, but that that, that is a good point. And I think didn't the Twinkle come after Waku Waku? It did. I yeah, believe so. So, so it could have just been them getting caught up because I know, I know, uh, I know, King of Finders '97, uh, Metal Slug, and a couple other ones have that load time issue as well. So looking at like the list of games that um, you know were on Neo Geo and got ported over, you know, if someone was interested in playing you know Neo Geo games on Saturn that actually just don't suck, you know for whatever reason, what would you say is like the hit list? All right. Um, did you want to start, David? With your picks, I know you uh, had Waku, sure. right? I yeah, I had Waku. I mean, it's just one of my favorite games, so it's just one that I would go to out of the. Oh, by the way, I I was totally wrong. Twinkle Star Sprites was not the game that I was thinking of. I was thinking of Astra Superstar, which is a Sunsoft developed game, but it's not a Neo Geo game. So that's where I was getting confused. But um, but yeah, Waku Waku Seven. I'm, I'm gonna leave Twinkle Star for you. Uh, Samurai Showdown Four was amazing. Um, Metal Slug and um, Magical Drop Three. I mean, there there's a lot more awesome games on there, but those are the probably the four that I would go to the most. Having the benefit of having a CDZ, I can boot up Metal Slug on the Saturn and kind of do side by side comparisons and. Um, I did notice that the audio on the Saturn version is a lot quieter. Like when, when I flip the channel and go to the CDZ, it's just like blasting, you know, that, that Neo Geo sound module. And then the Saturn version is a little bit muddier and quieter. So as far as the sound goes, I give the edge to the actual native hardware. Yeah. But, um, but then, you know, as far as the loading times, I mean, definitely the Saturn does load it up a few seconds faster. I mean, it it is really just a few seconds um, because I was really interested in comparing the two. But both of these, either one is way better than playing like the the PS2 version, you know, like the emulated version because that's just really muddy and I could never really get that thing to work in 240p. You know, that's an episode we need to do is talk about the fighting games, uh, why the Saturn was always the go-to versus the PlayStation. So when you played Metal Slug, did you use um, a four meg cart or a one meg cart? Uh, action replay, same. And so I, I would de- it would default to four, right? Yeah, it's actually it's a four meg cart. Okay. Um, if you get a chance, try playing it again with a one meg cart. You know, I know oh, something okay. weird with the with the action replay. It, it, at least with me, is that uh, I think ninety seven a couple Capcom games would glitch up if you leave it leave it sitting for a while and you click on a button it gets garbled up i don't know if maybe that's an action replay issue or is that's a that's a ram card issue i've seen um some of the four meg carts uh go into kind of a scramble mode normally i um feel that those uh action replays are defective i actually had a customer send one back because it used to work and then it stopped functioning um, but, but start off with graphical glitches and ended off not being able to boot the game at all. Um, cool. So yeah, there are a bad batch of action replays out there coming out in like the last year or two. Did you test it when you got it back? Yes, and the customer was completely right. 
Okay, because yeah. yeah. I was thinking it could be an edge connector issue, but no, nah, it was. It, it, I ended up with now um, four. Uh, over the course of like the last year, year and a half that I'm going to have to go back to my distributor in Hong Kong and go, you know, WTF. But getting back to topic, um, Metal Slug is one of a handful of games that is compatible with both the 1 and the 4 meg, but mm-hmm. performs much better with a 1 with meg one card. Meg. Really? Wow. You know what? Yeah. I've heard that. And now that you're saying it's just clicking, I've heard people say that on certain games you could experience problems that it's better to use the one and yeah. i just thought nothing of it i thought okay well i guess i never came across any of those games but i guess that makes sense i actually had a, a so i have uh, an older um dual cards both one and four meg but it's hardware not you know faked not marketing sure. and i dropped that in while playing metal slug and the slowdown issues that you can see on the four meg cart are gone it's still a little bit on, you know, a little bit slower with uh, a lot of sprites and a lot of explosions going on, but nowhere near as bad as it is with the four meg. And a lot of people are used to using a four meg or an action replay um, to play this game, not realizing that they can actually have a better experience. You just dropped that in while you were playing. Like, was it plug and play? Or are no, you just saying you booted it up with that? The cart that I have um, is uh, it's got a physical switch on the front. And huh. we'll switch between one meg and four meg banks. Oh, cool! So it's just a pure, you know, um, expansion RAM cart, but it's both one meg and four meg physically, as opposed to, you know, the action replay, which claims it's both, but it's really just four meg. Okay. So how? So are those are those uh, carts? Are those region locked at all? Um, I've not seen any cart uh, be region locked. No. Because my friend I... tried to get got a uh, Japanese. Uh, memory card and he said it wouldn't let him la- launch it with Saturn because it was like region locked or something I actually have a whole bunch of um, like OEM Japanese uh, you know Saturn memory cards or memory carts and uh, they work fine I got you yeah. yeah I think it might just be because of the disc maybe it's you possible. had a Japanese disc in there but but anyways uh, yeah I-, I was actually talking to my friend about the slowdowns with a metal slug he was telling me that it seemed normal to him because that's what it did on the the Neo Geo. Because even mm-hmm. on Neo Geo, it had the slowdowns on some of the areas with the high. Oh yeah. So he was like, yeah. "Yeah." I was like, "Why is it slowing down?" I was like, "Oh no, that's normal. It fucking happens on my Neo Geo all the time." So but just something to look out for if you guys have a one meg cart. You know, for all the SNK games, there's not a single one of them that requires the cart that doesn't allow you to use the one meg. Like, there's none that require the four meg cart. Mm-hmm. So if you um, if you have a means of playing import games on your Saturn natively in some way, uh, you know, like Japanese Saturn or it's got a region switch or something like that, it leaves the cartridge slot open, pop in a one meg cart and try your experience with that. Isn't one of the King of Fighters, it requires a one meg cart specifically? A yes. RAM cart. I think, was it 96 or 5? Well, 95 96. requires a ROM cart. Oh, yeah, 96, 96 is the RAM. One meg RAM cart, yeah. Yeah, like it won't work with a 4. It needs to be 1, or else it won't And then 97, which is your favorite, uh, that one doesn't require anything. There um, are several um, SNK games on Saturn that um, will be you know, compatible with both, but there are several others that if you don't have the 1 meg cart, you're going to face graphical glitches. You know, to speak to also to speak to those um, slowdowns that you 
experiencing with Metal Slug. Um, that's just something that that um, those guys at IRAM, and then they moved over to Nazca. That, that's something that they kind of did and were signature for. Um, that slowdown would almost be kind of like a saving grace because there's so much stuff going on on the screen, and you it's literally like bullet hell sometimes. And so that that slowdown actually ends up being kind of working to your advantage. Um, they did. I feel like it's kind of like a spiritual Neo Geo game because it's it's still done by them. But In the Hunt has the same problem, even though it's not a was never released on the Neo Geo. Uh, same guys, Irem, uh, coded that game, and it, it's the same style, and it definitely suffers from the same kind of slowdown. And it did in the arcade as well. And then a lot of people. Um, prefer the PlayStation version really doesn't suffer from nearly as much slowdown but the funny thing is it's not as arcade it's not as true to the original because it it almost like speeds everything up unlike the original arcade version so it's kind of a weird argument you know which one's better the one that kind of like improves the slowdown or the one that stays truer to the original Metal Slug definitely uh... has the same yeah, side by side, they play. It plays almost exactly like the original hardware. I gotcha. Uh, one of the games I really wanted to bring up was uh, probably one of my favorite games on the Saturn in general. Not only a Neo Geo game, but uh, Twinkle Star Sprites. Uh, basically, uh, awesome game. It's a uh, basically. If you guys don't know, it's like um, it's like Puzzle Bobble except with a shoot 'em up element. So there's two 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 uh, characters. There's two people on the screen. You shoot a bunch of enemies and use special attacks to put more enemies on their side, and use special abilities to like uh, summon either unstoppable objects on the screen or like have item have uh, characters come up from the bottom and attack, which is really interesting and adds an element to it where you have to not only pay attention to what's in front of you, but behind you, and increases that sort of self awareness of gameplay. Where it can come from any corner, left, right, up, or down. It's a lot of fun. Um, I actually brought it at the Game On Expo in Arizona, and it's kind of weird. Like I didn't bring it there to play it. I said I wanted to have Cotton Two and Ikaruga, but I came in one time and these guys were just sitting there playing it because I left it for testing. It's like, man, we love this game so much. Oh my gosh! Like, like I mean, they got there like at six a.m. I didn't show up till like about eight or nine. And they were just sitting there playing it for an hour. Man, we love this game so much. And I didn't even care. Because it was really interesting how they loved it. And I actually put it out. And there were so many people playing that over Ikaruga. It's like they were just addicted to it. And like I remember one time I put Cotton 2 in. And I came to see these guys trying to look around the Saturn and pick it up. Take the ROM cutter out. I was like, uh, what are you guys doing? Like, yeah, uh, we're trying to get the, the that one game. This is an EverDrive, right? Uh, no, it's just a, a ROM cart. You yeah, were trying to play that one game with the witches and the the weird the weirdness. Oh, Twinkle Star Sprite, and they were playing it, and like people were asking for it, not by name, but it was just really interesting to see how that is what they gravitated towards compared to the ones I set out. Huh? And just goes to show that sometimes the customer is always right, because that game is the shit. And that's the one you want to pick up for your super gun. Yeah, my Neo Geo. It's probably one of my favorite shmups, let alone my favorite Saturn game, let alone my favorite game on for the Neo Geo on the Saturn. Cool. Yeah. Do you guys have any sort of similar experiences with it? Any uh, experiences playing that game? Can't say that I have. 
it's in my CD wallet. <laughs> wow. It's in one of one of the many. I I've I've put it in a couple times, but I don't have that big of a memory about it. It's just in a backlog of things that I need to get to. There's actually You're going to make me want to go and look at my library and see if I actually have it on the shelf. I'm sure you do. <laughs> it's a great game. Uh there's that there's this girl that I was playing with it for like an hour and there was this character that uh, basically, it was called Yam Yam or something like that. You, know, you can guys look it up. But, like, it was essentially a character that was, it was like this young female girl with just like a tape around around her chest. And it's like, oh my god. Like, some of these characters are just, it's just like, I feel like bad playing. Because it's like, I have, any second the FBI is going to come knock down my door. Right. Because it's like really weird. It's I guess to me it's a Japanese thing with some of these character designs. Yeah, the is it the chibi character or they're just child? They're, they're very chibi, very childlike. childlike. To be yeah, honest, I know the one you're talking. I know the one you're talking about. She it almost is like a mummy wrap or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like and it's like, okay, oh my yeah, god, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but, yeah, but I really love. It's a beautiful love, game. The yeah. artwork is just beautiful, and I love the characters. They're just so unique. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, like almost all of them are unique in a way, except the main character and her like opposite. But that makes sense. But. Yeah, they all have different play styles, and you can choose from like, like nine different characters, and they have like different speeds, different attack types, different range. It's really neat. And we were joking that that character is the illegal character. Like yeah, you can the, play her, but it's a, it feel it feels like it's illegal. Like the, the guy who chooses that character, you, you get on the walkie-talkie, and he's yeah. pretty here. <laughs> exactly. I think that's a good choice. Out of all the, these 21 ports, that's one of those titles that really stands out, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of fighters. So, you know, it's you kind of have Geo. to narrow. It's Neo Geo, of course. And I mean, I don't know if you guys are into Stakes Winner or Stakes Winner 2. Those, those, are... those Mahjong games, though. <laughs> Pinnacle Neo Geo. Strip Mahjong. <laughs> Is that actually on the name? Why am I even asking that question? I'm just but, digging a uh, hole for myself. Digging a hole. It'll be a subject of another podcast, I'm sure. I mean, you got games like World Heroes Perfect, which I feel is a it's a really good port, but it's not it's not like my favorite Neo Geo game. So irony. I mean, if I'm ju- if I'm just looking at it analytically, I would say it's probably one of the best, like truest ports. It's a true um, but port, again, but they it's didn't like the quality. To, yeah. They didn't have a hard time working with that because it was an earlier game, you know. Yeah, fewer megs, but uh, but yeah, no, I mean, but then I, you know, Samurai Showdown Four is a later game, and I think that that ported really well. Um, it's not arcade perfect, but um, it's damn near close. And then you know, I think that um, it probably plays better on the PS2. But then, Kate, um, like those PS2 releases are like technically emulation, correct? Whereas, like, Samurai Showdown 4, like, these games were actually ported over, like right? Like, programmed for Saturn hardware? Yeah. It's not any kind of emulation going on. No. Um, the Saturn wasn't really up to par to be able to emulate just about anything. Uh, in- Which is quite ironic, because that's actually what made it so great. Well, I mean, somebody just mentioned the other day... Um, the that they they could tell a difference um, in Sonic the Sonic Jam games, and um, I was saying you know that's because it wasn't actually emulating; 
it it was actually reprogrammed which means some of the physics might be off some of the some of the controls might just be a hair off but they did a pretty I'm, close job i'm actually going to take my previous statement back because i do believe that uh sonic jam was emulating the um the roms for the genesis really? uh, games but the emulator was poorly written Something okay. like I mean, there's definitely a difference in feel, and there's something else that you know completely, you know, triggered at, right after you started mentioning it. There are a bunch of um, emulation uh, titles like Fantasy Star Collection, uh, which came out in Japan, actually emulates the right. ROMs on that. Those, that's what I thought. I, I'm, yeah. I was familiar with those um, because those were master. It was emulating Master System. Master System. But yeah. I thought I thought that the I thought the Sonic games were reprogrammed, and that's how they were able to put in like the spin dash in Sonic One, which wasn't even supposed to be there. Actually, are you sure that they weren't just reprogrammed? That's what I thought. I thought I was like, if they if they were emulating, how are they to put in the spin dash in Sonic yeah. One? That's a really good point. Uh, you I, know what? I'll hold I'll hold my uh, thought about Sonic. Um, I remember reading that you know people were complaining that there was such a difference between and it was weird like uh, physics didn't seem quite right things of that nature. Um, but we do know that it can emulate uh, the master system, mm-hmm. so that's a, a definite you know thing that we know it could do. And also, um, Sega had like this history of using the previous generation's processor as like the sound chip for um, the next generation's hardware. So that stood to reason that it could have been able to do um, some emulation. Now, I know that there's a a couple of really talented programmers out there who brought a Master System slash really, really old arcade. We're talking like like early 80 arcade uh, emulator to the Saturn as homebrew. But um, I may have to stand corrected on Sonic Jam specifically. I just remember something triggering that memory that uh, it was poorly emulated, but it may have been just a reprogram. Hmm. I mean, it's possible and it's, you know, the, the other thing that makes me question is that um, there's the two player mode in Sonic two, and that runs a hell of a lot better than, um, I mean, it doesn't like there, the control issues are still there, but it, it's faster than the, um, the original Genesis version. Does this still do that 480i trick? I don't know about that on the spot, but I do know that if if it was emulating, I can't see how it would be faster than the original, you know, if it was emulating the real hardware. Anyway, this is something that I'm going to be looking up after we get done here. We'll get back to that because we don't want to look like idiots. We'll add it to an addendum and we'll figure out the truth. I'm reading, as you guys are discussing, and I, I have to go in and I have to know the truth and try and get that corrected, right? Uh, apparently, uh, Yuji Naka lost the source code for Sonic 1. So it had to have been uh, reprogrammed because the Saturn couldn't do Genesis emulation. Oh, that's hmm. interesting. I'm glad. And that would also kind of explain, like, they tried to make it as close to the original as they could. But if they're right. going to go ahead and reprogram it, adding in Spin Dash makes sense to do it there, but it would also account for people complaining why it doesn't feel the same as the original. Exactly. So yeah, that's a very interesting tidbit. So when you get a game like um, Metal Slug, and it ports over 
and I mean, we take it for granted, you know, or we there's just an expectation that it should be ar- arcade perfect. But when it plays as good as Metal Slug does, mm-hmm. and we know that it's not emulating, we know they ported it over. I would say it's it's a damn fine port, you know, um, because playing them side by side, I can hardly tell the difference, which means they they did a really good job with the hardware. Well, the sound is always good with a lot of the 2D stuff as for well. For sure. And there are some hardware similarities, too, with the... With the Neo Geo and the Saturn, don't they share a Motorola sixty-eight? That's now? the that's the gen that's the Genesis you're thinking of. Well, the Neo Geo has one of those too. It's just yeah, they it, both they both have RAM. the Sharp sixty-eight thousand. Uh, no, they both have the Motorola sixty-eight thousand. But so does the Saturn. The Saturn the DS- has the sixty-eight thousand. Yeah, yeah, like K was saying, it uses that for the DSP, which oh. is why some lazy programmers would be like, let's just use the DSP to do stuff, like to do stuff that it's not supposed to do extra tasks yeah i didn't but, know they um, put a sixty-eight thousand in those now you're gonna make me doubt myself but i'm gonna look it up <laughs> it's good to doubt yourself because i came it looks like it's it was used as a sound coprocessor there you go sound coprocessor and then a lot of times like like even john carmack suggested that um when he uh when he canned their doom port which was supposedly running just as good as the pc port and he didn't like it because of the affine texture mapping uh, or the the texture swim. He told him to go back and use that DSP to to do it because it was a processor that he was like familiar with. Um, but they said no, it would run at like twelve frames per second if we did that. John but, Carmack um, is a whole can of worms. That guy is insane, but he's also a genius and, at the same time. Him, him and his twenty six inch CRT or whatever that thing is. <laughs> that's that's the meme. Widescreen. That meme gets so much play on, I think, on the I think, CRT group. I think my favorite one was like. It was like John Carmack. John Carmack has this 26-inch CRT while Bjork looks at it and talks about it, <laughs> or something like that. All right, so yeah, I know the one you're talking about. Okay, back on top. Well, possibly wrapping up this topic. Is there anything else that we wanted to talk about Neo Geo before moving on? Is there any? Is there anything that's like just horrible on the on the Neo Geo for the Saturn? That's like, don't um, even touch. Fatal Fury 3. I wouldn't even touch Fatal Fury 3 because those load times are just abhorrent. <laughs> I mean, I think the load times are worse than the Neo Geo CD. Um, and then, um, what do you guys think of Galaxy Fight? I never played it. I know I'm in the really same boat. Hard. Okay. Well, it's another Sunsoft title. Um, dun 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 i think it's better it plays better than waku waku 7 even though i like waku waku 7 for the colors and the and the the huge sprites but galaxy fight actually um there's a game that that uh costs a lot for the u.s long box i don't i don't know why people are willing to pay that much for what um because galaxy fight there was a long box with sega there's on the oh, yeah. US. Yeah, there was a domestic. Yeah, yeah I didn't even know they made any SNK games for the US. Oh yeah, I mean, what uh, Puzzle Bobble? Yeah, Puzzle right. Bobble Two. Oh okay. Or well, Bust a Move. Bust a Move, Bust a move but Bust a Move Two, Bust a Move Three, and Galaxy Fight. I think my Galaxy Fight is sealed. Oh man, that's nice. Well, I and, only paid um, like thirty bucks for it. <laughs> it's a really hard game too. I mean, it, unless you've unless you spend hours trying to master it or you use cheats, it's just one of those games that's hard to get past the first opponent. It's, the only thing that sucked with the SNK stuff is there there wasn't really a lot of US games for that that came out. There is the, sure. the only the only 
game that was remotely in English was King of Fighters 97 in the UK or in the Europe, but to be King honest, King of Fighters 95. King of Fighters 95. What was it? 97? Wasn't that one released? No, in, that no. wasn't. Huh. 95. Did you get your copy, by the way, Kay? I did. I did get How my copy it? finally. Um, pretty good, uh, decent shape. Uh, for collectors out there, the cartridge, uh, the ROM cartridge, has a different sticker than the Japanese version. Um, I haven't been in the play yet. I've been too busy with you know trying yeah. to get backorders done. Um, but it did go up on the shelf. It's uh, part of that PAL exclusive sect. Did you did you happen to see if it was uh, PAL optimized? I haven't had that chance yet either. And I, I ended up getting the game like two days later it showed up. So you know, it's just, there's been a lot of transition in my household, some of which you guys know. Um, and uh, the shelves were was part of that transition. So things went up. I'll have a chance at some point very soon uh, to test things like that. But it's just not in the cards for, say, like the next 28 days. I don't blame you, man. It's cool. definitely hard sometimes. It's all good. Anything so else? Fatal Fury, bad game. Fatal, Fatal, Fatal Fury 3. Three. Jinx. Yeah. Real Bout, Fatal Fury Special, and Real Bout, Fatal Fury are pretty good, though. Yes. Uh, Real well, Bout, Fatal Fury Special has excellent load times, I think. So let's um, kind of segue from here into our other somewhat short uh, option, because uh, we are kind of running a little bit long, and I know we, we really want to get to you yeah. know, talking like more technical stuff. But Let's do some uh, Q&A. The uh, topic that everyone here chose in Q and A um, was we have it listed as uh, our topic three: uh, video connection. So uh, James Rebel uh, Jemias asked, "What video connection method are you using for your Sega Saturn?" Patrick, go. All right. Well, for my Sega Saturn, I'm using a RGB monitor connected with uh, via SCART cables. Uh, I'm running it to my JVC BM 1900SU. Um, it's pretty good. I I like the quality. I, to be honest, I really have only done straight Saturn with RGB. I've done like maybe composite once to test something, but mostly just v, uh just RGB, and it looks great. Of the quality of it, it's probably the one of the easiest systems to get for it because all you need to do is get the cable. It natively outputs C-Sync RGB, which it is really basically is just easy. yeah. So, uh, it, and it's really good. I, I really enjoy it myself. Uh, what about you, Dave? I'm, um, so I got, uh, I'm also using SCART, Euro SCART. No, sorry. It's Euro SCART. No, I'm using JP, uh, oh, 21 J21, because yeah. I've got it going into an XRGB2, which is just a line doubler. Well, that's so right. it takes that, it takes that 240p, that 15 kilohertz and just doubles it to a 31 kilohertz sync. Um, and, it, and it doubles the, it just doubles the line. So it's basically like 480p, um, so that the monitor, so that I have it going into a 22 inch Mitsubishi Diamond Tron 2070 SB, which is like a high end nice. pro graphics monitor. Ooh. And, um, it's pretty, it, I've seen pictures. It looks crisp. It just looks so good. I, the only thing that I would, um, I would say that some, some of those BVMs and PVMs, I like the kind of almost the blurred look of the scan lines Some on some games. It, it's funny because on some games, this thing looks better. And on some others that are like 480i, like the Last Gladiators and um, 
I'm trying to think of, I think um, Fighters Mega Mix, some of those games that are high resolution 480i, it kind of struggles a little bit, but it really shines with a 240p signal. How's it do um, from transitions from 240p to 480i? Is there any like there is no transition? It's it's kind of almost analog. Well, technically there's, there's, it is analog because it's just line doubling to 480p. Through this VGA, is true. Right? Yeah, it, I mean it's got an it's got a digital OSD and it's got you know this it's got the scan lines which it can apply. I guess that is it's controlled digitally, but it's an analog input. Um, yeah. or an analog overlay. But anyway, the point is um, there is no transition and um, there's no lag. Like vir- It's not even virtually. I think there is like literally no lag with this. So um, it handles the Neo Geo CDZ. It handles the PlayStation, the the Saturn. It does all that stuff. And it does and it's whatever you job. throw at it. Except for the, like, the you know, 480i consoles, which I have another method for that but anyway it's all all my stuff's going into this 22 inch crt um and it and it looks great that's pretty cool i definitely was looking around for that toward a monitor but i could not kind of went a different way i kind of went like the opposite way at um years back when everybody was kind of deciding whether they were going to go you know pvm bvm and this was way before they they hiked up in price you know Uh, this is when you could actually get a bvm here in San Diego on Craigslist for like 20 bucks. Um, and that <laughs> you're laughing at me for not, uh, for not taking advantage of that probably. But um, no, there in San Diego, there are a lot of like broadcast production and mm-hmm. um, you know, different companies up in Sorrento Valley that um, like Sony and stuff like that, they use those monitors and stuff like that. So I know there was a period in time where you could get those things cheap. And now of course that time yeah. has passed, but I just want to go, with a PC monitor because then I can throw everything else into it too. Like the Dreamcast via VGA. Exactly. Place the, the PlayStation 2 via the DVD edge. I've got that. So it's kind of like my, it's just like one giant monitor that's just got everything going into it. Yeah. Um, and I was definitely looking around for those once you told me about that because that's originally what I wanted to do, but I could not find anything that did, did something that was just 480p out. Right. And so Kay pointed that out in, in our discussion that that is the caveat is if you're going to go see uh, PC CRT, then you do got to get the line doubler, which is an extra thing. But I think, you know, for me, it just made sense because it was so cheap. Well, versus... the line doublers aren't that expensive now. It's like, what, 150 right? Yeah, if you get like the OSSC, which is basically does the same thing. I don't I can't really speak about it because I don't have it, but that's... Um, the DIY device that came up on the shmups forums that are, mm-hmm. that's supposed to kind of replace the XRGB twos. It does. The but XRGB the only thing that sucks is that it's digital. It's digital. It's not analog out like, like your D- X- XRGB two. Yeah. That's the great thing about the XRGB two is it's just so simple. It's so plug and play. Yeah. And then, and then honestly some, you know, it it is prone to like cap failure, but like when I got mine, the guy had it recapped, you know, so it's pretty much good to go for a while. I didn't know they had cap issues. Um, over time. I mean, we're talking about a device that's now 20 years old, so... Oh, I didn't know it was that old. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I also have a Sony Waka, which is like a... It is... It's it's a Sony-branded upscaler or line doubler for the PS1, <laughs> and it's gray, and it almost looks like... Like it was basically, it's basically like a proprietary Sony XRGB two, 
but it does look even better than the XRGB2. But the thing is, it uses the Sony PlayStation proprietary connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, those those Castlevania Symphony of the Night shots, those yeah. were those were the Waka. That thing just looks excellent. Yeah, I definitely anyway, would love to do go that option if I can find that monitor. You gotta, you know, you can just call uh, photography places, you know, that are looking to upgrade to, you know, flat panels. A lot of um, hospitals, professional like photographers used them and are getting rid of them, or even or have them in their like back closet. Or you can call like um, labs, you know, like uh, like biology labs. Or, places that do science research and stuff like that because they usually use the large crts for stuff you know and and that and the thing is they're so big and bulky they might just have them kind of like off in the corner you know when they replace them they didn't they don't want to like throw it out because it's such a beautiful piece of hardware but uh but there might be still holding on to them that was my experience at least is just getting on craigslist and seeing um there was like a scuba place that had like a 22 inch nec um, and they were getting rid of it for like five bucks. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that stuff's really hard to find, especially around my area. But I'll keep a lookout. But I'm happy with my JVC right now. What about you, Kay? You've got a bevy of options. Right? Oh dear lord! Uh, this is another one of those we can go down the rabbit hole. Um, right now, uh, because I I just relocated into uh, my office into my garage. Um, I am, my primary display is a BVM 1911, Mm -hmm. and uh, I also have a, you know, get a bunch of people here to play games uh, screen, Um, is a, I have two of them, I have a a Mitsubishi Megaview 37, so it's like a 37-inch CRT. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. And it it does produce a really nice image, but I got, I definitely need to get it recapped. Um, Okay. And then uh, I also have a uh, Panasonic uh, Professional Plasma, uh, fifty inch, and um, so it's not a TV; it's strictly a monitor. It's you know a plasma sure. version of a, a BVM or PVM, um, but it's a it has modular um, input, so I can take a, an input card out of it and pop a different one in. So hmm. it actually natively takes SCART. Well, that's cool. It's got like a SCART input on the back. Yeah, I, I bought like a because they they have the same model of screen in Europe, and you know it's just cost effective to be able to just create modular pieces of equipment to put into these um, add-on you know sections or whatever you'd want to call them, uh, basically just ports, right? And for this add-on card, and uh, my screen came with like two HDMI and a composite S video. I pulled out the composite S video and I shoved in a SCART one. Paid like maybe a hundred bucks for the. Uh, card from some guy in England cool. a bunch of years ago. Um, so, uh, just like you, I've got a, a bunch of you know adapter uh, devices. Um, I run uh, SCART on all of you know all of my devices. I run uh, into an XRGB2 like you do, but I actually modified the unit so that it takes SCART natively as opposed to JP21. Okay. Um, and that was my first option uh, before I had the native SCART. And honestly, I'm going to tell you guys, I like the XRGB2 better than taking native SCART into plasma because there's no scan lines on a plasma. Right. So uh, the picture's amazing. And uh, I had a, a lot of fun playing like a 
RGB modded um, AV Famicom uh, on that screen using the XRGB2. Can I ask you a question, Kay? Since you have, um, for those that are using a BVM or PVM, you're going to have scan lines no matter what all the time. But um, as, as somebody who has that choice of turning them on and turning them off, do you notice that there are any games that you prefer to play without scan lines? Or is it just scan? Do you just leave them on all the time? I haven't run into any game yet that I would play without scan lines. Uh, that doesn't mean that they don't exist. I mean, sure. I suspect that like any 3D stuff, I would play on a PlayStation. I'd probably want to have scan lines on. Okay. Uh, or I mean, scan lines off. Um, PS2 for the most part, I play on an HD TV. So you know, the only times that I'd ever play something on a PS2. Um, with scan lines would be if like uh, like the Street Fighter Alpha collection you know would be a pretty right. decent example just things where the game that you're playing was designed for or, or programmed with you know scan lines in mind absolutely yeah. so like 90% time with me I just leave them on but like there are some games like um, like Burning Rain like the Sonic team games like Burning Rangers or Knights that look really clean without them too, like on the on the PC CRT, um, mm-hmm. a la you know Dreamcast games. You know how how sharp they look and how clean they look. Yeah, um, that 3D looks it really pops without the scan lines too. So that's just something I've wondered what other people's preference is. Uh, in my opinion, though, uh, I I kind of prefer scan line. I I like thinking of it like this, where anything that was played on a CRT at one point and. I would still play up to like 2006. I would use it. Like I mean, mm-hmm. I was playing like Xbox 360 on a CRT for the longest time. Sure. So I don't know. It just it's just natural to me to play it on there. But yeah, I, I guess anything anything before PS3, Xbox 360, I do scan lines regardless, and I like it. Just my opinion sure. though. Yeah, I don't do scan lines on original Xbox unless I'm doing emulation, and generally I do emulated scan lines on that. Like the original Xbox. Um, For Dreamcast stuff, if it's 2D, then I'd prefer scan lines. If it's 3D, I kind of go wishy-washy on it. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. I kind of like the 3 d with the scan lines. Yeah, I mean, Mm. PlayStation 1 generation games, uh, 3D, I I think I tend to prefer scan lines because, God, they are jaggy. Yeah, and if you play Ghost in the Shell... There's a 3D game that just it looks awesome with the scan lines. Um, yeah. It kind of just, it, without them, it just looks line doubled, you know, without them. And it looks really obvious because those jaggies, it does kind of double the amount of mm-hmm. jaggy there. So, yeah. Um, but, the, yeah, like the Dreamcast, you know, it, even back in the day, if you took advantage of the VGA functionality, you know, and got yourself mm-hmm. a nice PC monitor, then you were seeing, you know, crisp 480p. The Dreamcast holds so well nowadays. The picture on it just looks so... It looks good. It, it just looks so good, you it, know? It pops better than almost any other system its age, you know? like I was playing Power Stone 2 the other day, and that game just so gorgeous on uh, on VGA. That and Marvel vs. Capcom 2, the, it really it looks way better the than the games. PlayStation 2. Oh, yeah, the sports games. But, but to be fair, it, though, the Dreamcast looks great on even composite. This is true. It had a much better, much better composite than the Saturn. Yeah, I played VGA a little bit on the Dreamcast, but I, I switched over to SCART because 
all my TVs can't support 480p and up. So all everything is like 480i or lower. The PVMs don't do don't do 480p. Most of them don't. The only ones okay. that do are the uh, multi multi format monitors like the BVMs and some of the and the PVM 20L5. Oh, okay. See, I did not know that. And those um, are expensive as hell. The the L5 series in general can handle. It. I mean, I think um, most of the five series can handle it, right? It, you'd all of the five series. Like the, can. You can look for the um, the HR logo, right? The the well, HR doesn't necessarily mean it can do that. Do multi multi format because mm-hmm. some of the 1950 1954s those have the HR on it, but it's still only 480i. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. I'm, uh, now I'm. That would have been a deal breaker for me if I got, if I got one of like the cheaper PVMs and found yeah, out man. that I couldn't couldn't have it be my end all. You know, because because space for me it's like space is just at such a premium. So I have to have one monitor that does everything. Well, I'm, if I can find a, t- a TV like that, I might do your route and get the line doubler for that and just use that. Yeah, it's, it's a great option. It's a it, honestly, it. I think it's a BVM killer. Honestly, like it, it. Uh, you have to get a really high end BVM to equal the kind of image that you're going to get with um with a high end PC CRT. And you'll get you get more bang for your buck as well. Uh, yeah, because you're gonna pay what forty bucks, fifty bucks for one of these PC CRTs. Most people just don't. They don't even know what they're worth. I think maybe at the high end, maybe a hundred at the most. Sure, if they know what they have. But, but definitely, whatever you're doing, don't be buying that shit on eBay because I've seen so many sob stories. Of yeah. Even people <laughs> who have taken, even even sellers who have taken care, like great care, in packaging it well and everything, like, and then it still comes completely messed up because of BPS. Let's be honest, it comes fucked up. It does. And I mean, oh, some of the damage is just heart-wrenching. You know, <laughs> sometimes it's just the bezel, but sometimes it's just... Oh. That monitor is screwed. And you're just like, oh, not only did you just pay, you know, like 500 bucks for that thing, but now you've, you know, you just watched it die. <laughs> really I think most people death. that do it get their money back, though. Sure, but I've I I mean, yet to hear a case a where week. somebody lost, like, all their money. I'm just saying it's it's such a waste, you know? Yeah, it is a waste, and, and it sucks because people don't know how to pack these things. But to be completely... I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try. I mean, I wouldn't even try. I'm trying to sell a couple of monitors, and I'm it's pickup only. What are you selling, if you don't mind me asking? Which one? <laughs> Everyone's going to jump on it right now. Yeah, well, no, I, I am. Some some little some little 13-inch Sony I gotcha. um, t- consumer TVs, you know, the Trinis. Oh, okay. I've got a, I've got a c- composite Trini, and then I've got a component one. I gotcha. Um, and it, you know what? That composite is a really clean image. Yeah. You're talking about. And, and I was going to so... say before, with a, even if you can't find the the, the premium professional uh, VGA monitor, I mean, I've yet to see a bad VGA monitor that takes in takes in that VGA input. So. But if... that that composite, that little 13 inch composite Trinitron, was how I got my start like when oh, i got yeah. back into saturn i just had that thing and i didn't realize how small it was i do now but uh that's what i played uh panzer dragon saga on and all these other games that i like started to rediscover from the saturn was just on that tiny little monitor and i didn't know at that time how to calibrate it and everything because there's a service menu with the remote 
and so there was like over scan and you know the the geometry was bad but um i actually was able to get in there and calibrate it really nice so um whoever gets it you know it, it looks great sweet sounds cool though man but but yeah, like I was saying, uh, the cool thing about a lot of those monitors, the CRT VGA, is that mm. I've yet to see one that's actually like really horrid in person. For sure. So, so even if you can't find professional, uh, professional monitor for uh, CRT, it's uh, I mean, a lot of the other CRTs, the regular consumer ones for PC, aren't bad either. For sure. I mean, you you know what you'll find is a lot of you'll find a lot of Trinitron uh, Sony tubes that are like inside a rebadged like Dell and, yeah. um, and they're super cheap. You know, you take a, take a run of the mill worth absolutely nothing. 17 inch Dell. Um, and even a, even a shadow mask will look great with the, with the Dreamcast. It'll look way better than anything. If you're just a, you know, Joe Schmo, it'll look better than anything you've got going on. And then once you start going down that rabbit hole and you upgrade to like the 19 inch, you know, than the 22 inches and those, what you'll, what you'll notice is you'll just notice that the colors pop a lot more. You'll notice that what I've noticed is almost like the, the bigger the monitor is, it's almost even the PC CRTs have like their own scan lines. If you're looking at it really close, do you know what I'm talking about? Kay? Yeah. They've got the, like if I'm feeding the, the Wii virtual console into that, like Neo Geo games, um, if I'm taking a picture of it with my phone really close up, there's still like scan lines because the monitor's so big and the and the pixels um, create like a black divider between. You know, it's it's like a scan line, but it's not a true scan line. I don't want to call it a scan line because that's not what it is. But um, the smaller PC CRTs are a little m- more dense. Yeah, you know, the PC CRTs use three dots in a in a triangle triangular format whereas the bbms or typical tvs use the three bars you know side by side Mm. and so that's where the scan lines end up looking a little bit different but anyway i'm running on yeah uh... (laughs) Uh, let me finish off that um for sure because uh, the other thing that I was getting into is that I used the XRGB2 when I first got in, but I ended up getting a Framemeister, right? The XRGB Mini. So I had a lot of different options for being able to plug anything into anything else. Um, but for those who are interested in going down, again, this rabbit hole of displays, it, everyone on this list is using some sort of um, RGB format because it's easy on the Saturn and it gives you really the best quality uh, picture just make sure that whatever rgb format you use that all your equipment is actually um, compatible with it there are some cables out there that uh, will not be compatible with ntsc um, saturns uh, there are some uh, cables out there that look like euroscart but are actually jp21 and you won't tell the difference until you blow it up and then so, there's a, and then there's the cables that look good, that look like Euroscart, but in reality you're just a piece of shit. <laughs> oh, they're like composite in a no, scart. they're yes. just garbage wire. They're hot glued in. They're well, oh, sure. Scart is a multi-format, right? Like so, you but can it's just take a connector. Yeah, right. So you can take um, uh, composite S video and RGB all off of the same kind of connector. So just kind of buyer beware. Um, there's a really good uh, seller on eBay out of Florida who makes her own cables. And I've used 
pretty much her cables exclusively now. Um, and retro console accessories, I think, is yeah. what her storefront is. It, she, yeah. had some, she had some quality issues in the past with putting, for some god knows on reason, a uh, a uh, one, of, one of the video video encoders into these these uh, Genesis for video boost or the sync boost. But she cleared that up, so now all the quality is solid now. So and, I, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, controversy with that whole the whole putting the video encoder inside of the thing, but everything's cleared up now, and she's she's pretty on par with uh, the other one, the Retro Cables UK. Yeah, but I've only heard like pretty negative things about the UK one. So. He's, he's just pretty good. the The only issue I had with him is that his scar at the BNC he puts a lot of hot glue in it. His uh, his yeah. scar cables itself are really de- really good, good and well built. But the hot the glue pool. bugs me. Well, the hot glue and the scar to just just get the scar to BNC from Wikiwin. Yeah, Wikiwin yeah. would be the other one. So people who are, you know, looking to get BNC connectors um, for their SCART cables, you know, go to Wikiwin for that. Um, they re- refer to each other, I believe. Uh, Retro console accessories and Wikiwin on eBay. They I think they've talked um, or promoted each other from their stores but no matter what happens no matter which route you go to display just actually enjoy what you're doing you know and um this is an expensive hobby going scart going rgb um or you know in any format is expensive there really just isn't any other way to say it like i don't know how much you paid for your um xrgb2 but i paid 250 bucks for that thing yeah not not nearly uh like 150 through Uh, yahoo japan Lucky rat bastard. Well, you, you know, know I yeah. don't. I it's always got to be a bargain. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be honest, though, I think that I think it's very important that people do that. I mean, I have the same issue with the the vinyl collecting hobby. A lot of people have issues. Oh, why do I want to drop four hundred dollars for a turntable or drop this much for a needle and this much for a headphone? But mm-hmm. it's it's necessary for the quality aspect of it. I mean, yeah. say that you drop like maybe a hundred dollars or. a month on video games in general. If you just skipped two or three months of video games, you'd have all the equipment you needed. Very true. true. So please, people, do not skimp out. Don't go for that cheap $50 piece of crap on Amazon that converts SCART to HDMI. It's not worth it. It's it actually really decent for for uh, streaming. The new though. one, yeah, the new the new ones, the the one that's like got a blue logo on the top. There, there's been a revision, and um. I know Mel Segalord X. He he mentioned that he uses that for his YouTube channel, just for capturing yeah. the footage and stuff like that. And it does a pretty decent job at such a small um, price. But you know, the thing is, for some of those people out there, ignorance really is bliss. Um, you might you might just want to not listen to anything we're saying and just stick with your composite because, the, like Kay is saying, once you try, even if you get that cheap scaler, you're using RGB. So as right. soon as you get a taste for RGB, you're going to be hooked. And that's where it goes down from there. That's where it gets yeah. deeper. Because you, what you do is you start reading about it. And what what have I actually got here? What am I looking at? How does this work? And the more you read, and the more you do research, and the more you just dig, yeah, you find yourself getting in pretty deep. You find yourself trying to win an eBay auction for a ginormous uh, CRT monitor and then having to grab yourself and your girlfriend uh, for like an eight-hour road trip to Washington, almost to the border of Canada, oh and then end up goodness. sleeping in your car because you're too tired to drive all the way back home since you got there after midnight. 
that's exactly what I did when I found out that that uh, that, Mitsubishi. that Mitsubishi was available. Some girlfriend, man. <laughs> Hope well, you, uh, got her some flowers or something for that. She, 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 she was. Uh, she was not having it. <laughs> it, it. Let's just say that that was a, a very testy trip, and it was also more than ten years ago. So oh, we can okay. just let that stay in the past. But I will well, tell you, the the moral of the story is this is an obsession, and I don't think you can even find that monitor you know unless you're getting local deal like, i haven't seen one on ebay in ages no yeah it's rare yeah so, i think we should save all that stuff for like maybe a dedicated another. podcast mm-hmm. totally because like that's that's a whole thing that like and we've already many... spent we already we already went over like 20 minutes on this topic to begin with so <laughs> i mean this is an addiction folks let's be honest <laughs> and okay. to be honest you, you could spend more time on this than even gaming you know i mean i think a lot of us do true all right, yeah, so, let's let's roll. Let's roll on. Let's, okay. let's do number two. Let's do the second question. Hopefully, this will take us at least twenty minutes less than the last one. Well, um, <laughs> the next one that uh, we had listed that everyone put stars on was for disk rot and data holes. Topic two. Okay, so uh, yeah, uh, I asked for people that aren't in the know. Uh, there's some issues with uh, with CDs where it's something called. Uh, Disk rot or laser rot depends on how you want to put it. Uh, in the laser disc community, it's very prevalent because a lot of the discs were manufactured improperly, where they didn't. There was it wasn't like a sterile clean room like you know the people in the bunny suits. There would be oxidation between the layers, or there'd be air holes, air bubbles in the layers, and that would cause oxidation, the glue to come apart, mm-hmm. to the point where. At one point, the reflective layer would oxidize, and it would be impo- and it would be impossible to read any of the data on there, or the video would just be completely garbled. And in the case of discs themselves, it's a lot worse because instead of an analog, it's digital. So if there's like one bit out of line, it could throw the whole thing into disarray, to where it won't even boot. And there's a lot of things that can cause it besides that, like physical damage or just uh manufacturing issues like that like, so why this is prevalent in saturn is that um in comparison to say other uh disc-based game systems um it seems to have a higher percentage of occurring um on saturn discs now one thing to kind of note i mean a lot of people call various defects on uh their discs disc rot it's kind of like a more of like a common term. It's a boogeyman, um, right? And then there's some people who say, "Oh, disc rot is a myth," uh, etc. And I've actually started, you know, in recent years, trying to draw people away from the idea of disc rot um, as being a singular thing, um, and call something like data holes. Um, it's not going to fit everything, but when you have someone looking for defects in a disc, whether they're caused by oxidation. Um, in that data layer, or if it's because of abuse of the disk, the key point is that it's a fairly easy way to check um, whether or not you've got a problem with your disk. So I've always uh, taken a bright light source, put myself in the disk, you know, uh, put my disk between myself and the light source, and just hold it up kind of like you're doing an eclipse with your disk. If you see pinholes of light, you've got physical damage to your disk. Not all disc rot will show up that way, 
but it will make it a little bit easier to see in my experience. How about you guys? Uh, yeah, the weird thing about that is that sometimes, like you were saying, the disc rot doesn't even, isn't even shown on the disc. It could look like a perfectly fine, clean disc, and you put it in, and it just doesn't work. I mean, and in his case, the the thing about it is that just because you have pinholes inside of the disc doesn't mean it's not going to run either. There, where there's actually that there's pinholes, but they'll still run. So there's not really a good way to determine, in my opinion, there's not like a definitive way to tell if you have it or not. I, I just don't want anyone to you know come up with the idea that if there's a pinhole in the disc that the disc is in good physical shape. So a game can start up, but if there if if there's a a hole, you know, like a pinhole of light coming through and you can if you hold over like a just any CD that's uh, pressed or burnt, you should be able to see where the data stops and uh, ends, right? It starts from the center mm-hmm. and spreads out. So you might have uh light holes or pinholes on the disc in a section that has absolutely no data on it and you're fine but the disc itself has already begun you know it's damaged and it can really only expand or stay the same but no matter which way you look at it, it's damaged now if you have a pinhole in the data section um, and it still plays well for the most part it's going to because not a lot of those pinholes are to the point of you know, making it impossible to read thanks to error correction. And that's a and whole David, can of worms. It is. But it doesn't stop the fact that there is damage to the disc. Also, error correction can't fix everything. Mm-mm. So you might be, you know, have a data hole in the middle of the disc somewhere, and it might be, you know, small and insignificant. But let's say you're playing the game and it tries to do some Redbook audio. And that data hole happens to be on an audio track that you just never listen to. But you'll hear in, uh, in gameplay, it gets triggered, and it you hear this glitch, this really terrible sound. Might not even not last that all sound. that long. Not that sound. That was my phone, I think. The, the idea here is that if there is a hole in the data section of the disk, you know, in the data layer, in the place where there's actual pressed data supposed to be, it's either damaged and okay because error correction or it's damaged and there's not much you can do about it. In fact, there's nothing you can do about it. And the weird and, thing is that sometimes, like he was saying, that it could affect it in many different ways. Like if it's a red book audio, maybe it will do a skip or maybe it just won't play or maybe it'll be in a data layer and the game won't even boot up. There's another possibility where maybe it's a, a hole right where there's a couple of large assets. Because these holes, to be you know, big enough, if it's uh, big enough for error correction to not be able to fix it, might be in a section of the game that, say, you know, you're on a side quest of an RPG and you're supposed to you know, pick up this item and the asset for that item, you know, the visuals, the graphics, the sprites, whatever, um, happens to be where the data hole is. Well, the game played perfectly fine until you reach that one point, and now it can't load, game crashes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why data holes are just plain bad. And the only effective way I've been able to find, you know, disk rot or otherwise, uh, for testing is to pop your disk into a, uh, like a CD or DVD-ROM drive for your computer that you know works really well. And 
try to make a uh, disk image, disk at once image of it, but turning your error correction off so that if it hits a read error, it stops. And if you run into a place where, you know, oh, I can't read this sector anymore on a Saturn disk uh, specifically, that's probably uh, an area that, you know, has been damaged by data hole. So if you suspect that there might be a problem with disk rot, data holes, or et cetera, that's a, the only test I know that seems to be reliable. That's actually a really good idea. Yeah, and when you're um, somebody like Kay who does archival projects and reproductions, you have to have a disk that's 100%. Um, I, you were saying that, Kay, you won't even consider using a disk if it has even one data hole. Because that's not archival grade then. You know, that's not something that uh, you're going to get a clean dump from. Exactly. And honestly, it's kind of a person I did trading with probably 10, 15 years ago, maybe more. Um, he managed to get a uh, like a review copy. So it, it was, it's pressed. It's on actual you know Saturn uh, right. disc. Um, but it was sent to magazines for review. And he gave me five discs in total. Um, one of them was Shining Force 3, and the other was Panzer Dragoon Saga. And I didn't know really what I had in my hands at the time. Um, pen writing on the top, you know, PZ1 or whatever, uh, for each of the discs. Um, I cannot start that disc anymore because through no fault of anything but it existing you know, in the atmosphere, it, the first disc is riddled with data holes. So it won't even boot anymore, wow. and it it absolutely kills me because it you know let's let's face things right. Everyone at this point who's a, an enthusiast about the Saturn should know that Panzer Dragoon Saga is not going to get ported. Period. Never. End of story. And that's because the, there's no source code that exists of it. It's no gone. Source code. It's Zero. gone. Zippity doo da. Zippity day. Yeah, so the the best we're going to have is someone putting together a Saturn emulator on a newer system and, you know, making it run only that game. You know, that's how some of these things work. Mm -hmm. But we will never see it natively ported and take advantage of modern hardware. It's done. So when you take a look at things like that, um, the fact that CDs, you know, to our best of ability of, you know, taking care of them, keeping them in, uh, you know, uh, climate-controlled environments, they can still die, right, through uh, disc rot or for uh, oxidation, whatever the, the reasoning is. Um, yeah, because disc rot isn't like it's going to die the second it comes out of the factory. It could be a couple months, it could be a couple of years, it could be a couple decades. I mean, it's hitting the HD DVD community really hard. I think just about every disc from Warner Brothers on the HD DVD side of things, remember that format, <laughs> um, is uh, showing up as, as having disc rot as well. Wow. The laser disguiser is well suffering this, but I think that's where it became more prevalent because the manufacturing uh, methods were just fucking garbage back then. I also want to mention that... Um... The, the whole misnomer about disk rot versus data holes. I think what a lot of people um, are referring to when they think of disk rot is like those black veins that radiate from the edges of really poor CDR media because the older CDR media, the, the two acrylic layers would just kind of be pressed together and the reflective layer was actually 
just at the very edge, you know, of the like those really poor media and would just be exposed to the oxygen. So slowly over time, you'd get kind of like this, the disc would just have like this, what looks like rot um, kind of radiating around the edges of the disc. Now that I can see how people would, would call that disc rot versus data holes because that's the actual entire reflective layer is exposed to oxygen. Mm-hmm. And then, and then all those little pin, all those little pinholes are definitely, it, it's, it's better to call those data holes because um, it didn't, it wasn't necessarily, it could just be from an imperfection or like a porousness of the top acrylic layer that allowed some kind of oxygen in to basically cause the reflective layer to become less reflective. But and it's so still it doesn't the same even process. Have, yeah, same process, but different. And so when people say rot, I think they're talking about those really, those really ugly looking um, cases of rot where it's just, you know, all over the disc. Yeah. And you do get those on laser disc too, because laser discs were pressed in a way where, you know, like he, like Patrick was saying, it was, um, it was literally glued know. together. Two exactly. different discs glued together and put and sold. So if you want some good info, if you see a disc pressed by DADC, Sony DADC plant on any laser disc, I guarantee you that it's going to have some form of laser, disc, laser rot in some way. So. so really, you know, we try the best that we can, everyone, um, you know, who's into the, these hobbies on disc-based media to preserve what we have and take care of what we have. Um, but even when you take care of things the proper way, you can end up having you know these imperfections show up. And what's going to eventually happen is that um, things like the Saturn. I mean, there are millions of copies of most of these games you know out there. Uh, there's a few that there are only a couple of thousand. Um, there's a even smaller handful where there might be fifty to five hundred. You know, Della Soba Deluxe and uh, uh, Eiffel Home. Are, are among those and i think uh, one of the uh chopin games uh from japan also is really obscure things but if it happens to these games they're gone you know panzer dragon saga we're not going to get in any other format but saturn and emulation period end of story but it's to be fair, we have plenty of backups of that game well for saturn why so it's not going to like be gone for le- ever well i mean you have a way of playing it but the original media is yeah. gone and there's no way to 100% recreate that disc, right? We can get Correct. 99%. We can get all the data on files, but we can't get an absolute perfect copy that just plays in a Saturn without think, any... Yeah, because I think it has to do with the, the way that the discs are manufactured, right? Because it's like manufactured in a way where it has a specific wobble at a specific point. For the... Well, there's that too, but I mean, even if you take your, your copy of a disc, right? Just drop it into a, a disc copier. The method that the copier is using is not going to properly recreate the disk image. It's going to do its best um, ability to do that. Um, I've been dumping some games for, like some rare games for um, one of the two, uh, like I, I've been doing for um, either Redump or True Rip. I can't remember which one right now. Um, but uh, I, I dumped my Della Soba Deluxe. Uh, because I could not find a copy of that, like in an ISO format online anywhere. And uh, whichever group, I, I, again, I can't remember at the moment. Um, but it was the first time that it you know, came up. And there's rumored to be only about 200 copies of that game worldwide. 
And even doing it with the tools that they have available still does not get you a 100% perfect copy. There's debate between both of those groups as to whether or not you need to include the subchannels to get a proper copy or not. And you know what order the files are supposed to be in when you make these kinds of copies. It's um, unless you have the you know original uh, uh, masters to be able to go to a pressing plant and press it again. We don't have an ability to get a perfect copy. The best we can do is an approximation. Sure, but that's just the way of life. It is. Mm-hmm. So. You know, all that long story short, even some of the ones that are in my permanent collection have data holes. Like, I think I've owned three copies of Enemy Zero because the first copy, which was perfect 10 years ago, ended up with data holes like two years ago. Wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to go check mine. I mean, let's face it, though, like, our entire collection is going to rot on the shelf. I mean, technically, it will. Off of an SD card, I guess, yeah. in the future, you know, we'll be those will be like those will be like you know memorabilia. They'll be like placeholders. Well, look at my physical copy that does not boot, but uh, here it is in digital form. But to be right. fair, for the most of those that are, that are actually manufactured properly, that's not going to really dis- disintegrate until about a hundred, two hundred years in the future. So, well, sure, ideally, I mean, it's still ideally. But... Ideally, we don't, we literally can't test it. The wear yeah. for a hundred years, but it's a no, there's mess. artificial aging processes that you can put a disc through. But it's still, it still wouldn't be the, all of that. You know. <laughs> just yeah. avoid all of those aging. I mean, I could sit all my discs in direct sunlight if I really wanted to. That's also know. a good way to get disc rot with the ultraviolet exactly. rays, or lots of humidity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just don't do any of that stuff is what we're saying. You know, keep, keep it in don't a nice do it. <laughs> dark, cold, or sorry, dark, dry, you know, not too hot, not too cold. It, think of it like this. If you go to a museum, uh, in order to preserve any one of those, you know, pieces of artwork painted by Da Vinci, you know, they have to keep it curated in a, in a, you know, controlled conditions, you know? Um, in order, because they know what the chemistry of the paint is and stuff like that. Well, these discs require, you know, it requires some TLC, but um, you can definitely um, create that ideal uh, instance that Patrick is talking about if you, you know, adhere to just some simple guidelines and uh, just don't be stupid, you know? Yeah. So, listeners out there, um, when you see us in the Facebook groups, uh, we want to see what your data holes and disk rot looks like. We want to um, see your holes. And we're not fear mongering. We're not fear mongering either. No, just it's... some people out there have questions about it and want to know whether this is disk rot or if someone just abused the disk. Um, I, I personally have only ever had one copy of Street Fighter Alpha on the Saturn have absolutely no uh, data holes on it. So show show them to me I, they, there's got to be other people i've owned five copies of that game over the years so someone out there besides well, i mean me. mine is working perfectly fine for now <laughs> i mean i've played through several matches and i i haven't and i looked through the light you know so for example i've yeah. got this i've got this title and hold it up to a bright light like on the ceiling or whatever I can't identify even uh, even a blurry or kind of faded because sometimes they're they're not like a precise pinprick. Like if it's a real if it's a real pinprick, it actually could be damaged to the label side. 
of the disc, you know, like a scratch or like, you know, a chip taken out of it. Sometimes it's just a faint little cloud cloudiness, cloudiness. you know, and I'm not seeing anything like that on my copy. And it plays you, you are now number two. <laughs> I guess I just got lucky. I didn't realize I, that it, there was, I didn't realize that was a title in question. Is it alpha well, one or two that, that has it? Alpha one. I know my copy of Rain Man would not boot, or it wouldn't get past the intro FMV um, because of a data hole, and I and I I think I'm on my third copy of. That I didn't realize this was that prevalent. I mean, I had zero issues with any data rod on any of my discs from Japan or the U.S. Yeah, so I actually had a a trade with uh, Philip, who is the. Uh, I guess the creator and owner of one of the uh, Facebook forums, the Trade Cell Collect uh, forum, and he had Street Fighter Alpha, and I was like, okay, does it have any data holes? And he said, one. And I'm just like, damn it! The only one that's pristine, and I dumped as soon as I got home, um, was uh, bought at Cowlitz uh, Gamers for Kids this year. Yeah, it cost me, I think, uh, 40 bucks or so. And Worth it. Totally. And you literally just did the you just did the light tests when you were there. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And you, I almost feel like you can't go in and buy um, a Saturn game without doing at least the light test. You know it, that that's indicator across the board. If you see the pinholes, if you see the veins, you know you might not want to pick that up. That being said, we also know that some of these games are incredibly rare. Um, one of the best deals I ever did was a Craigslist deal. A guy was selling a bunch of disc-only games. And included in this lot was Magic Knight Rayearth, um, Shining Force 3, and Panzer Dragoon Saga, and a bunch of other games. And uh, he had a me and another guy from Salem, um, or Eugene, uh, which is approximately 100, 150 miles for Salem, 150 or so, 100 miles from uh, Portland. And that's Oregon. At the time. In Oregon, yeah. And so I call the guy and I race over to the, the guy's place. And he said, well, it's only fair if I let the other guy come up too. And we were starting a bidding war in this guy's living room. Um, then I looked at the discs and uh, Saga was not in good shape, uh, which was really sad. I mean, there's enough data holes to make me concerned. But we're still in a bidding war over this whole you know, CD case of not very well taken care of discs. House of the Dead was in there also. And so I finally just convinced the guy, like, okay, tell you what, you want Saga, don't you? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, tell you what, why don't we go back and offer him the original price? You take Saga, I'll take the rest. The guy was, like, fine with it. And he probably went, because he had a Saturn there, and, um, you know, they all booted up. And he probably went home and either enjoyed the game or resold it or whatever. Out of that lot, I think I got maybe 10 to 15 games, including a couple of heavy hitters. And none of them were upgrades. But they worked well enough to play. And that's what some people care about. Today, now that I'm doing this as an archive project, I would not have taken that deal. Hmm. Period. End of story. And we only paid like $300 between the, the two of us. So it's still a decent deal. But as time wears on, those discs, they can only get worse or stay the same. There's no way they're going to improve. Right. Yeah. And this all boils down to just the manufacturing process for discs as well. I mean, you know, these things happen, you know, 
I mean, statistics. Some of these discs will look good, some of them won't look good. I mean, I don't yeah. have these data holes. And it, it could have been that, you know, the previous owner of those specific discs might have been abusive to him. I mean, none of them were complete. They were all in a, you know, kind of crappy CD holder. But um, it, it, you can take really good care of it. You could, you know, have it sealed. And the first time you open it, find that it's full of holes, you know, or, or veins. It's a crapshoot. I can't recommend anyone go into Saturn or any disc-based media for investment purposes. This is a hobby, mm-hmm. you know. To be honest, yep. I don't think you should do that with any video game any, for it's an not investment. An, it's not an investment. Nothing no. is stable. The world can get nuked tomorrow, and we can all live on, like, rocks or something, and the games will be worthless. Or your your kids could just not give a shit, and the and once you kick the bucket, they're just like, let's put it in a garage sale for a buck a piece. You know, like they they just might not share your enthusiasm. In fact, history might not share your enthusiasm. You I know, mean, how I many mean, people are collecting? So, you know, Elvis memorabilia now compared to sure thirty years or civil, ago, Civil War memorabilia, anything, and that and the like huge events. I mean, we're talking about something that's a microcosm of history on the whole you know we're talking something that's really niche so like a hundred years from now there isn't going to be anyone to care about panzer dragoon saga well well, to be fair some of those rare things are still rare i mean the baseball cards yeah for the most part they're not worth jack shit but Mm -hmm. if you have like a babe ruth card or something that's super duper rare it's gonna go for a couple hundred it's true it's true but i mean like you know just the perspective on it is that there's got to be somebody around to actually for it to be relevant to in order for there to be some kind of market for it and so i always think you know don't don't think about what your collection is worth play your collection share it with your friends experience it you know don't let it just sit on the shelf because you can't take it with you i know that sounds cliche but you can't so if you bullshit i'm embarrassed my dream collection If you just spend if you if you spend your whole life acquiring and you never get to enjoy it, what was the point? You know, and I mean, you know, the reason I'm doing this podcast and the reason that I'm a part of this group is because I actually enjoy this console. I think you guys do too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and to be honest, I think maybe if push comes to shove, maybe a couple of us down the road will, you know, sell it because we'd find something else valuable, like our kids or maybe our wife or maybe that vacation we always wanted to take, but you know, we could never afford. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, on the disc pressing topic, it does seem it does seem like the technology has come quite a far way because, like, take Wii U discs for example. Like those things are just if you feel like a Wii U disc compared to like a uh, anything that was done in the '90s, like they've got they've got so much lacquer on there, and it's just like a glassy lacquer. It, it's just a much higher quality pressing, and even on the edge of the disc it's like rounded off and they've got it completely sealed it's like do you guys know what i'm talking about yeah it has it, it doesn't have a jagged feel to it the edges it no. feels like rounded it feels like that they've they've done a lot of r&d on that and trying to fix what is a known issue you know so um it, it would be interesting down the road to see how long those last compared to you know these discs that were pressed in the 90s I mean, it's just like anything. I mean, the process gets better and better, more more robust, a lot easier to do. There's more new materials that are found that make the job a lot easier. 
Exactly. So, I mean, maybe maybe that Beatles CD from 1986 that you got might not work today, but then one that you bought in 2009 is probably going to last for another century. Exactly. Well, on that note, um, this feels like a really good point to uh, wrap things up. Um, I think that David really, uh, really said, I think, the key phrase... Um, I'm very guilty right now of letting my collection sit because I have a lot of things going on. And one of the reasons why I have games that I probably would never play uh, in a million years <laughs> is because I want to preserve this console for future generations. I don't want to see these games disappear. Um, and that's what my archive project's about. But the, the key phrase is don't let it sit and rot on a shelf, regardless of whether it's actual disc rot or just, you know, aging to time. Go out, experience, enjoy. So I imagine I imagine even now you'd want to you're gonna play them regardlessly, even when the project's over, right? Well, yeah, when when my project is done, and I mean this could be a lifelong project on because of prices, um I'm gonna play every single game, you know, at least for a good half hour. Yeah. Um, I have my favorites like everyone else does, but uh, part of the archival process is to be able to take some video footage of the game being played. Uh, you know, scan the scan the disc image, scan the uh, manual, just get high resolution all in the same hardware. That's what this archive project is about. Good luck with all those really shitty soccer games. <laughs> and all the Mahjong oh. and Hentai titles. Yeah. Well, see, I enjoy those, but yeah, I, I actually especially the latter, <laughs> especially the latter. <laughs> yeah, you know, nothing can be worse than the Yakukin special. You guys play that ever? Oh yeah, nope. Okay. <laughs> Never even heard of that. I'm imagining it, it's not a good game. It's a uh, John right Kenpo. <laughs> so, and why we called it John Kenpo? You guys call it rock paper scissors. It's strip rock paper scissors. Yes. We, looks like yeah. we have. Looks like we have a new segment on the uh, Sega Saturn Zero <laughs> podcast. Go enjoy, experience, strip rock, paper, scissors. No, don't. It's it's really a bad game. It, it really is. It's it's something to see, though, you know. <laughs> but yeah. It is, it is quite bad. Not nearly as what it, you know, it sounds, what it sounds it, like. It sounds scarily close to Rochambeau, so. But yeah, from, uh, from all of us here at Sega Saturn Shiro, uh, thanks for listening, and, you know, Again, go out, experience. And be sure to catch us on uh, Facebook.com slash PlaySegaSaturn. Later. Good night, everyone. There's nowhere I'd rather be but here with you. The stars above light the way only for you and I. I'm so glad I found the one.